This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Chronicles of Nania. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by the man who this show is named for. He is the resident stat nerd over at GangreenNation.com. And, of course, TurnOnTheJets.com. Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, just navigating the whirlwind of this crazy Jets offseason with all the drama up top with Adam Gase in the front office. And, you know, we kind of knew that we might get this, you know, from the start when the Jets hired Gase and just handled everything the way they did. But, you know, it's, it, it's entertaining in a kind of ironic sort of way, but also sort of worrying. But, you know, we're getting some drama, something to follow here in May. So... It keeps things interesting, that's for sure. And in retrospect, we can take a look back now at Mike McCagney's draft record and really give it the fair look that it deserves. We're not going to count year five because obviously none of those guys have even stepped on the field yet. And next week, we're going to do part two of this where we're going to compare Mike McCagney's draft record to the previous general manager, the man he replaced, John Idzik. But for now, we're going to take a look at Mike McCagney. And you had a very interesting formula that you used, courtesy of Pro Football Reference. Yeah, so most of the study, or basically this entire study, was based on approximate value, which is a stat from Pro Football Reference, which, which does a really good job for a study like this because over a smaller sample size, it's kind of imperfect. You might see some regularity some guys be rated higher than players they should not be rated higher than but over a large sample size it does a really good job because it really rewards longevity and in the draft that's something you want to get out of your draft picks guys who last with your team a long time so it does reward a lot of for longevity so when we're grading a lot of teams over a long period of time it definitely does a good job rewarding teams who pick players that last with them and it does do a good job you know rewarding players who just simply produce more so Players who do play a long time, players who play really well and just produce at a high level statistically, players who play on teams that win and participate on really good units, you know, whether you're part, if you're an offensive lineman who's on a good O-line that produces well in the run game and pass protection, if you're part of a good defense, if you're a quarterback that wins a lot of games, those things score a lot. So, yeah, approximate value does a really good job for a study like this where we're grading a lot of teams over a long period of time. So as I said, we're going to take a look at 2015 through 2018 because it's not really fair to look at 2019 yet since we have no idea how those players are going to perform and there's obviously no approximate value for them yet. Let's start with the overall accumulated value for the Jets drafts those four years. What do you have on that? Yeah, so in total over McCagnan's four years as general manager of the Jets, his picks have accumulated a total of 154 AV, which is tied for the fourth lowest total in the league over that span. The Jets are tied with the Raiders at 154, and they're ahead of only the Bengals, Cardinals, and Bills, who are at the bottom of the league. So in terms of total picks, the Jets are closer to the bottom of the league. But as we'll get into more later on, you know there are different ways to look at it. You can look at it on a per-player basis. You can look at it based on where the teams were drafting, which round their picks came, or how high their picks were. So there are different ways to look at it. But in total, McCagnin's draft, uh, McCagnin's four drafts have provided the Jets with some of the least value in the league. The Jets did make only 28 picks over that time, which is one of the lower totals in the league, which we will talk about more. But even there are some teams around the Jets that made fewer picks, but uh, accumulated much more value. The Falcons made three fewer picks than the Jets, and they're in the top half of the league of AV. The Saints made the same exact same amount of picks as the Jets did over that span. Both teams made 28 picks, and the Saints are third in the league and accumulated approximate value over that span. So the Jets are near the bottom of the league in total accumulated pro- approximate value over Mike McCagnin's tenure. 
Tell me a little bit about what you're talking about there, because as you said, the Jets had very few picks, but they didn't have any more than the Saints, and the Saints obviously did a lot better. What went into this? Was there an average that you could look at to make it a little more fair? Because obviously teams that have more draft picks have more dart throws and a better chance of getting players that could make meaningful contributions. Yeah, so the Jets did make only 28 picks over McKagan's first four drafts, which is obviously an average of about seven per draft. So that was tied for the ninth fewest total picks made in the league over that span. So close to the bottom quarter of the league in total selections. And so when you put it against just the total amount of picks that McKagan has made, because he hasn't really racked up like huge amounts of late-round picks except in the 2017 draft where the Jets made nine picks. He hasn't really had huge totals of late-round picks to just throw at the dartboard. So when you put it on a per-player basis... McCagden's picks on average have accumulated five and a half approximate value over their career so far, and that's only the 10th lowest total in the league. So still near the bottom, but closer to the middle than his total value. Um, since he wasn't picking as many players, that puts his total closer to the bottom. But on a per-player basis, uh, per player basis, he's closer to the middle, even though he is still bottom 10. And, but the Jets are the only team in the league over that span to rank top 10 in both fewest picks made and least approximate value made per pick. So the Jets... Didn't have a lot of picks over McCagman's tenure. And you can knock the general manager for that a little bit for not doing a better job accumulating picks, especially when your team as bad as the Jets with all the ammo that, you know, all the moving they could potentially do trading down to get more picks when they had valuable selections because of how bad they were. So the Jets were the only team in the league over that span to rank top 10 in both fewest picks and least approximate value per pick. So not delivering on the picks at a, or, or delivering on the picks at a bottom 10 level and you know, accumulating picks at a bottom 10 level. So, yeah, definitely, uh, when you put it on per-player basis, the Jets don't look as bad because they didn't make as many picks, but when you combine the fact that they didn't really do a good job delivering on their picks and they didn't make that many picks, that's how you rank bottom five in total value from your picks over a four-year span. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So if one wanted to defend Mike McCagnin and spin this in his favor, they would say, well, if you look at the actual picks he made and you break it down per player, he actually was about average. Yeah, you could definitely say that. And a big reason why the Jets are you know, closer, a little bit closer to the middle in terms of their per player approximate value uh, accumulated is because of how McCagnin did in the first round. And, you know, that's one of his most popular defenses. He did do a pretty solid job in the first in the first round. And you look at his production over those four years. That was the one thing he did well. His four first round selections have averaged about 7.4 AV per season, and that's the fifth-best mark in the league over that span behind only the Rams, Chiefs, Cowboys, and Titans. So he did, has done a pretty good job in the first round, but he did obviously have some luck uh, and some good fortune in his favor when it came to the first round. The average Jets' first-round pick over that span, over the four picks McCagnin made, uh, made in the first round with Darnold, Adams, Lee, and Leonard Williams, the average pick slot of those four picks was at number 8.8 overall. And that was the second-best first-round positioning in the league over that span behind only the Bears. So, you know, McCagnin did have some good luck in his favor. He was picking high because the Jets weren't good, and he had some, you know, not not obvious picks, but, you know, pretty easy picks to make fall into his lap with Leonard Williams, with Jamal Adams, and arguably uh, Sam Darnold as well. So, you know, he did have some good fortune, but at the same time, he didn't draft any complete busts. Obviously, Darren Lee is gone now after... You know, three not-so-good years as a starter with the Jets, if we're putting it nicely. But, you know, he didn't draft any complete busts, guys that didn't play D. Milner-level kind of bust, so that helps him out. And Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams and Sam Darnold had a good 
rookie year as well. And he, you know, we'll see how his, the rest of his career goes and that Sam Darnold's really going to define, you know, how we look back at Mike McKagan. But, you know, with especially Adams and Leonard Williams, those two guys really help Mike McKagan be one of the best first round drafters in the league. You actually found some really interesting information along those lines about Mike McCagnan's tenure in Houston, and we're going to get into that next week when we talk about Mike McCagnan versus John Idzik. That's called the teaser, kids. That's how we do it around here. So that'll be next week. We'll talk about Mike McCagnan's history in Houston a little bit, but let's continue talking about what he did with the New York Jets. You said he did really well in the first round, but once the first round was over, he didn't do quite so well. What happened in the second round? Yeah, so if the first round is the best defense for Mike McKagan, then the, the round immediately after that, the second round would be the number one reason to criticize him. So the second round, the Jets were easily the worst team in the league over that three-year span, and obviously the Jets made only three picks over that three-year span, and the most recent one in 2017 was Marcus May, who has who's been a pretty good player for the Jets so far. I think when he's healthy, you could argue he's an above-average free safety in this league, and even his AV per season, he's averaged about four AV per season for the Jets, which makes him an above-average second-round pick versus the league average of about 3.7 per season for second-rounders over that span. So his most recent second-round pick with May was pretty solid. In 2018, he didn't make a second-round pick because they traded it in the Sam Darnold deal. But the first two guys Mike McCagnan picked in the second round in 2015 and 2016, Devin Smith and Christian Hackenberg, absolutely bombed his entire draft resume. So those two guys, obviously Christian Hackenberg, Never played for the Jets, so he's a complete zero. And, you know, the only zero, in the, I believe the only zero in that round, in the first two rounds of that year's draft. And Devin Smith, the year before that in 2015, he only gave the Jets one AV uh, over his Jets career. So those two guys combined, and, and with Marcus May, overall those three guys combined to average only one AV per season for the Jets since they've been drafted. And that makes the Jets the worst second-round team in the league over that span, even in total AV, when you combine Marcus May's eight and Devin Smith's one, and of course Hackenberg's zero, that's a total of nine AV, which is the worst total in the league in the second round over that span. And just to compare like how much value teams can get out of that round, the Buccaneers got 75 AV out of the second round over that span. So what is about eight times more than the Jets. So, you know, that is def- the second round is definitely the worst knock on Mike McCagnon taking a complete bust in back-to-back years in a round where you're supposed to still be getting some really strong value, definitely really hurts his value. And not only were the Jets the worst second-round team over McCagnon's tenure, but the Jets' second-round total of 9 AV is the worst by any team in any one round from rounds 1 to 3 over that four-year span. So worse than any team in the first round, worse than any team in the second round, worse than any team in the third round in terms of total approximate value. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The funny thing about this, Michael, it dawned on me as I was reading your article. I feel like Mac's draft record would look a lot better if he had picked Robbie Anderson in the second round and signed Devin Smith as an undrafted free agent because, in a way, Robbie Anderson ended up becoming the player that a lot of people hoped Devin Smith would become. Oh, yeah. I mean, Robbie Anderson, and you put it out perfectly, just in terms of skill set, He's exactly what you hope Devin Smith would be. So, and then, you know, uh, with this, we're not, you know, giving credit to undrafted free agents because at the end of the day, it is just, you know, a huge amount of dark throws had a lot of different guys. Some of them pan out. Most of them don't. But, you know, I think definitely just the fact that, you know, McCagnan used these really highly valued picks, you know, like I said, picks that still should be pretty good when you're in the second round. The value is still pretty high, kind of not exactly close to the first round, but still significantly ahead of the rest of the draft. So, 
just the fact that, you know, McKagan used back-to-back picks on guys that gave the Jets basically nothing, that really kills his value overall. So the second round is definitely the biggest knock on making uh, making McKagan one of the least productive drafters in the league over his tenure. And overall, past the first round, what your numbers seem to show is that the Jets passed the first round during Mike McKagan's tenure may have been the worst drafting team in the league. Yeah, so the second round is definitely the biggest part of you know, going into the struggles beyond the first round in total. But even when you take into account the rest of the draft, when you're looking at rounds two through seven, it, there's a lot of strong evidence that seems to suggest that McKagan and the Jets were the worst drafting team beyond the first round in the league from 2015 to 2018. So altogether, McKagan's Jets over that span from over those four years got only 80 approximate value out of picks beyond the first round. That was the lowest total in the league, and it's 19 AV behind the 31st-ranked Raiders, which is the biggest gap between two, any two teams on this list. So that just goes to show how unproductive. You know, the Jets didn't have a lot of late-round picks, and they did, really did not deliver with them at all. So just you combine those two things together, the Jets didn't really accumulate that many late-round picks, so they didn't really put a premium on accumulate, uh, you know, getting a lot of those picks to just give themselves more dark throws, and they didn't do a good job with the ones they did have, especially higher up in the second round. So altogether, you look at the Jets over that four-year span, they accumulated the least AV uh, beyond the first round out of any team in the league, and the gap between them and the team at number 31 is bigger than the gap between any two teams in the league neighboring on the list. You have a stat here that you developed yourself, and you call it net AV. Explain that to me. Yeah, so net AV does a really good job of kind of grading teams. Instead of grading just their total value or value per player, it compares what they did versus what you would expect them to do if all their picks were average. So, you know, you might have a team that makes, like, say, like five seven seventh-round picks in a year, and out of those five guys, maybe all five of them don't even play, but... Maybe that team did a great job in the first and second and third round. So on a per-player basis, because they made those five seventh-round picks and all of them didn't do anything, then that's really going to tank their overall numbers because, you know, they picked five guys that didn't do anything. But in reality, you don't expect a seventh-round pick to do anything because on average, they don't do that much in the league. Most seventh-round picks never play for their teams. And on average, they produce less than one AV per season. So that's just an example. But what net AV does is it compares your actual AV value against your expected AV value if every single pick you made was average based on the average expectation of the round that the picks were made in. So like Leonard Williams, for example, he was a first-round pick. The average AV per season from a first-rounder is about 5.6 per season. So over the four years Williams has been with the Jets, if he were an average first-round pick every single season, he'd have about 22 AV. But in, in reality, his actual AV value has been 35. So he's about a plus 13 value. So that also does kind of show the one minor flaw with the, with the net AV stat is that, you know, it is not taking into account just the overall pick ranking because, you know, we're, we are valuing with this a number one pick, same as the number 32 pick, for example. But it does do a really good job of just putting all teams on the same kind of pedestal and helping out the teams that make a lot of late round picks that might make them look worse because they're picking a lot in rounds where not a lot of value is found. And it does kind of bring the teams down that make, you know, say like a team makes two first round picks and three second round picks in a year. Then obviously that team is going to get more value because they're picking up top. And those guys are obviously more talented, going to have more rope, so they'll accumulate more value. And bringing those teams down because obviously we expect more out of those teams having more picks at the top of the draft. So NetAV does a really good job of just 
of giving every team an expectation based on where they're picking in the draft and then comparing what they did versus what you should expect out of them. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk about how net AV applies to Mike McCagnon's draft record with the Jets. Tell me about it overall and tell me about how he did with it in terms of the first round. Yeah, so we'll start with past the first round. You know, since we were just talking about their struggles overall past the first round, now we'll look at it on a net versus expectation basis. So the Jets' total net AV past the first round was about negative 30.8. That was the fourth worst total in the league. So that was on total basis. But like we said, the Jets haven't made that many picks past the first round. So when you put their net AV on a per player basis, they had an average net AV value per player of about negative 1.28, which is the worst mark in the league. So just to compare that to the top of the league, the Bears were the best team in the league in post-round one net AV per player at about plus three. So that means their average player over that four-year span is about three AV better than their expectations. So when you look at the fact that over a four-year span, you're probably drafting about 25, somewhere from 20 to 30, average around 25 post-first-round guys over a four-year span. And if every single one of those guys are accumulating three AV better than their expectation, then Altogether, you're getting about, and the Bears do lead the league in total net value, of about 64 total AV between all those guys. And that's about, that's like multiple elite players kind of value over that span. So altogether, if you're the best, like looking at the Bears, for example, if you're that good at getting, you know, value over expectation beyond the first round, it's almost like you're adding multiple elite players from your post-first round drafting, just cumulatively with all the guys you are drafting. And the Jets, of course, are at the opposite end of the spectrum with the total net AV value of about negative 31. So that almost equates to like losing a couple of starters or maybe one or two elite players. So even when you uh, stack up the Jets versus expectation and wait where, what, picks, uh, what rounds their picks were made in, they're still arguably the worst post-first-round drafting team in the league over McCagnin's tenure. So on the heels of that, Michael, let's go back to the first round where we know that Mike McCagnin actually did a good job or at least that's what your net AV says. Talk to me about the guys that he picked there and how the AVs there compared to the AVs of other first-round picks around the league. Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, the Jets were fifth in the league in AV per season from their first-round picks, and I believe fourth in total AV from first-round picks. You know, having one every single year, that definitely helped them out. So the, the first round is obviously, you know, that's where you're expecting the most value out of these picks. And, you know, the numbers back that up. The average AV per season of a first-round pick is five point, about 5.5. 5.6 was the average AV per season from first-round picks over that span. So about two higher than the second round or about almost double the number of the second round. So there's a lot of expectation in the first round. So if you miss on one of those picks, it's really going to tank your net AV value because, you know, the expectation is so high. So if you miss on one of those picks that's a lot of value that you're leaving on the table. And if you're hitting on those picks, then you're adding a lot of value as well because the expectations are so high. So with McCagnin doing a solid job in the first round, it does help his overall net AV. So when you look at his uh, net AV totals over all seven rounds of the draft, he does rise up in net AV to about 25th in the league, uh, slightly behind the Steelers, one spot ahead of the Cardinals. And on a per-player basis, he's still in the same spot of about 25th. So the first round does help rise him up, you know, with his post first round struggles where he's arguably the worst in the league doing well in the first round does rise him up on the, on an overall scale to about, you know, still bottom 10, still close to the bottom, but more about in that 25 range, because there are a lot of teams that struggled similarly to the jets after the first round. 
but also drafted a few busts in the first round. So doing well in the first round does help rise up, uh, raise McCagnin up a little bit. But, you know, as we know, some of those picks weren't the toughest picks to make. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the Jets' average positioning in the first round, uh, you know, taking those four picks at an average slot of about the ninth overall pick. That was the second-best first-round positioning in the league over that span behind only the Bears. So they did have some really fortunate positioning. They did have some really talented players fall into their laps and where, you know, the it wasn't too hard of a pick to, you know, take Leonard Williams, to take Jamal Adams. And, you know, to an extent, uh, Sam Darnold, too. Obviously, the Jets had to trade up to get into the spot to take him. But once he was on the board, it wasn't really that difficult of a pick to make. And we do still have to see how Sam Darnold's career from here on out goes. So, you know, you can make those claims against McKagan that they were easy picks to make, that he was fortunate to be in a good position to make those picks. And that those things are true. And that's why we can't definitively say he was a great first round drafter. And, you know, the jury is still out on Sam Darnold, like we just said, and Darren Lee wasn't a hit either. So, you know, with his first round drafting, we can't definitively say, you know, he's a great first round drafter. He's a top five first round drafter, but he did do a solid job overall. He didn't draft any complete busts, any D Milner level busts. So overall, his statistically his value in the first round was pretty good, and that helps on an overall scale. Looking at all seven rounds, raise him up from the very bottom of the league, which is where he is beyond the first round, to more of a you know bottom ten kind of level. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Isn't it a little difficult though to compare? Apples to oranges in the sense that if you're comparing New England who picks at the very end of the round every single year as opposed to the Jets who pick at the beginning of the round every single year with the exception of the Darren Lee season, it's kind of going to skew the approximate value numbers a little bit, isn't it? Oh, for sure. It definitely does, you know, to an extent. But, you know, once you get beyond the first round, it does kind of even out a little bit because at that point, the drop-off per pick starts to even out a little bit because in the first round, you know, you could see real drop-offs between the average value of the first pick to the second to the third, you know, between each and every slot. But then after the first round, it does kind of balance out a little bit. You know, there's definitely kind of a big drop-off beyond that first round. But when you look at the net AV totals overall, there are still a lot of teams at the top of this list that are, you know, routinely picking at the bottom of rounds, and they're still near the top of the league in net value. So to look at the top of the league in total net AV over that four-year span, you have the Chiefs, number one, Bears, number two, Cowboys, Rams, Chargers, Falcons, Colts, Saints, Patriots, and Vikings in the top 10. So you have a lot of teams there that are routinely making the playoffs and picking at the bottom of rounds, but they're still near the top of the league in net value, even though their average pick is, you know, in the latter half of a round, so not as valuable as a Jets pick might be, who, you know, are always picking at the top of the first, top of the second. So it just goes to show that the good teams, just regardless of where they might be picking, even if they're already good and pick, you know, because of that picking at the end of rounds, they're still getting really solid value out of their picks, and that's a huge reason, maybe the primary reason why these teams are, you know, either have been good for a long time or are now elevating to the top of the league and becoming one of the better teams in the league. You know, the Bears are number two on this list, and they've obviously had a, you know, stretch a few years ago where they were struggling, but now that they seem to have found their quarterback and they're drafting really, really well, especially beyond the first round, now they start to become, now they look like one of the most talented teams in the league. They had a great season last year, and they look like they could compete again this year. So it definitely goes to show that drafting is probably the primary, you know, key way to build a consistent winner in this league, just looking at the great teams at the top of this list. And on the other side, when you look at the teams at the bottom, the teams, uh, the Jets and below at the bottom of the list and that AV, 
The Bengals are at the bottom, followed by the Ravens, Raiders, Browns, 49ers, Broncos, and Cardinals. So obviously the Broncos are the only team in that list to win a playoff game over this span. Uh, the Cardinals did as well in 2015, but that was way back in 2015. And since then, both of those teams have struggled because of how much they failed to get value out of the draft over that span. And, you know, the Browns are at the bottom too, but, you know, they were the, their struggles came more around the 2015-2016 kind of range, but over the past two drafts, they really started to, you know, improve a little bit. That's why they're not at the very bottom of this list, and now they're now they're looking like a team that's on the rise. So, you know, definitely when you look at this list overall and see the teams who are at the bottom, the teams who are at the top, and then the teams who are in the middle who are kind of mediocre, the, the Lions, the Seahawks, who have now become kind of mediocre, the Texans, the Bills, the Dolphins, Buccaneers, teams that kind of sit there in that middle range and can't necessarily push forward. So there really does seem to be a correlation when you look at this overall list and just all the drafting production numbers between, you know, drafting well and just winning games in the league and especially playoff games. There's obviously more than it goes into whether or not you had a successful draft than approximate value, but I think that that is at least a metric that gives you a decent baseline. And what it seems like to me is if you're a team that's consistently picking towards the top, but you are consistently toward the bottom of approximate value, you're doing a very bad job. And if it's the reverse, whereas you're picking towards the end of each round and you're towards the top of approximate value, you're doing a very good job. And Mike McCagnin is one that fits into that first category of constantly picking towards the top, yet being towards the bottom consistently in approximate value. That would seem to make Christopher Johnson's case for him, wouldn't it, as far as firing Mike McCagnin? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the draft is definitely the main case against McCagnin. He had some good free agency moves. His move, you know, what he did before the 2015 season helped him have that 10-win year. He was the executive of the year that year. That has not aged well at all. But, you know, he did have, you know, some decent free agency moves. Got Henry Anderson last year was a pretty good pickup. Some trades that were good. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was nice for one year. Brandon Marshall is nice for one year. So he, I think he's been, you know, closer to average probably with what he's done with the free agency and trade market. But it's a draft where he's really struggled. And, you know, you look at how much money the Jets had to spend in free agency this year to make this seem, you know, seem like they could be com- uh, competitive and help Sam Darnold develop. But they, they had to spend all this money because they didn't have talent in the first place because they couldn't draft. So, you know, like you said, like approximate value is definitely not the end-all be-all. It does not tell the whole story. But it is a, a really good tool for something like this. We're looking at a four-year span. We're comparing all the teams in the league who picked a, you know, a big amount of players, at least 25. The Browns picked 45 players over that span. So, you know, it is a really large sample size. So approximate value does a pretty good job of... Uh, just, you know, doing exactly what it's called, approximating the value just based on the teams who are getting players who contribute for them and, you know, the teams that didn't get players who contributed for them. So, you know, when you look at a team like the Jets who are drafting guys like Devin Smith and Christian Hackenberg who never play for your team, they're going to score, you know, almost zeros. So that's really going to hurt your value overall over a long period. So, you know, like you said, approximate value does not tell the whole story, but it is a really good tool for a study like this, and it helps us really see who some of the most productive teams in the league are drafting and some of the worst teams in the league at drafting. And like you said, looking at positioning is a big part of it too. So to go back to the top of the list, you're looking at the Chiefs, a team that, you know, they're routinely pretty good. So the fact that they're at the top, even though they're picking late in rounds, just goes to show why they're one of the better run teams in the league, why they were in the AFC Championship last season and should be in many more AFC Championships down the line. Then you look at the team at number two, 
that would be the Bears, a team that you know just had a run of season, a run of seasons where they weren't good, got them to the top of the draft, but they took advantage of that positioning, and now they are a competitive team. Then you have the Cowboys, a team that it's kind of bounced back and forth. They had some high picks from some down years, but they took advantage of those picks, got guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Zach Marr, and Travis Frederick, core pieces of that offense, but they've also had some good years where they've been towards the bottom of rounds, and they've still drafted pretty solidly, and they got their starting quarterback like later in the draft on day three. So it really does do a good job of approximate value, just kind of showing us which teams are, you know, generally doing a pretty good job and teams that are doing a really bad job, even if it doesn't tell the entire story to an exact, you know, it's not an exact science, but it does do a good job of just showing us who's doing pretty good in the draft and who's not doing so good, like the New York Jets and Mike McCagden. Also shows us that you need to look long haul, and that's why if you look at the approximate value over the course of a couple of seasons, you'll see much more than what happens year one, because like you said, Michael, Mike McCagnan won executive of the year in 2015, and if you go back quite a while with the Jets, every time they've had a regime change since Bill Parcells came in here to replace Rich Kotite, the team has had a winning record the following season, so... Don't necessarily put too much stock into things if the Jets go 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six this year. Certainly a reason to get excited. However, just bear in mind that you want to look over the course of a couple of seasons at stuff like approximate value that Michael put together here because that's really what's going to tell the story as far as whether or not the regime is successful over the long haul. Great chart, a great article. If you haven't read it, go over to gangrenenation.com and check it out. Now, Michael, thanks so much for coming on for this edition of Chronicles of Nania. Next week's going to be a lot of fun, too, because we're going to continue to look at Mike McCagnan, and we're going to compare him to the guy he replaced, John Idzik, and we're going to find out some very fascinating things about Mike McCagnan's time as the director of college scouting when he was with the Houston Texans before he took the Jets job. So I'm really looking forward to going through all of that with you next Next week. In the meantime, why don't you let everybody know how they can find you and what you've got on tap over at gangrenation.com, Elite Sports New York, and the 800 other places that you're writing right now. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. Uh, most of my writings at Gangrenation and Elite Sports New York. And yeah, definitely I've been doing a lot, especially with the McCagnan firing, just looking a lot back at draft history and kind of putting you know, a number of value to how good McCagnan drafted. I looked back at Idzik, which we'll talk about more on this podcast uh, pretty soon. So that was pretty fun. And, you know, yeah, definitely doing a lot with the draft numbers recently. So a lot of that going on on my page. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun this weekend. Can't wait to compare Mac versus Idzik again. It's going to be interesting, and I know it's going to probably raise a few eyebrows. So next week we will do that. Mac versus Idzik. Who gets the victory? Find out here on Chronicles of Nania. In the meantime, follow Michael on Twitter. Read his work over at Gangrene Nation and Elite Sports New York. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.